0: And John McMullen.
3: And here we
2: go, here we go!
0: Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365.
4: Good morning, football fans. Draft week is officially underway. We are now just three days away from the first card being handed in. And the Eagles, as of now, have two cards to hand in on night one of the NFL draft at number 10 and number 30. We'll see if those things come down. What's going to come down here on uh, Birds 365 over the next two hours? Well, J-Mac and I are going to chat it up uh, with each other and with Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network, one of their draft
3: gurus.
4: And then Jam's going to exit stage left. you got to get over to the Novacare Complex today, huh, Johnny Mac?
3: Yeah, got to go talk to uh, a player's worth, I don't know, what, a quarter of uh, a billion dollars exactly. for the first time. So, yeah, Jalen Hurts uh, talking today um, after the big contract. First day of Eagles offseason uh, strength and conditioning program as well, so. Uh, big day last last of 32 teams so all 32 teams are back at it the
4: number care complex where less is more and they can kind of make that claim since they were in the super bowl last year uh can they get back there again this year big week for it to get their season underway and of course on the draft on thursday and we'll have plenty of draft talk but first on jalen hurts um Uh, more power to them. And we all thought the contract would get done. The timing of it was something that we weren't exactly sure about. They got it done before the draft ever started. And as you mentioned, quarter of a billion dollars is a nice number to know and good neighborhood to be in. Uh, But one thing that I think everyone across the board has continued to say is if you're going to make this kind of a financial commitment, you want to make it with a young man Who is like Jalen Hurts, who is committed as Jalen Hurts is, who takes his job as seriously as Jalen Hurts does, as driven as Jalen Hurts is, and how good a leader Jalen Hurts is. So as far as the periphery characteristics you want, he checks every single box. But let's be honest, he's a boring quote. Because of all those things that I just stated, it doesn't make him the most intriguing interview you can get. Will this be? Now that Jalen Hurts is scheduled to make a quarter of a billion dollars. Will anything change in how he handles himself in front of you guys the assembled Eagles media?
3: Yeah, no. Uh no. He's uh that's he's a robot, it, it? man. I mean, that's part of his <laughs> that's part of his uh success. Uh he doesn't uh, you know, unless you're looking for a t-shirt quote. Um sometimes you get one of those, but uh now he's on point, and that's part of it. That's a big part of it. I mean, you just saw uh, our, 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 you know, the old defensive coordinator, Philadelphia Jonathan Gannon, stick his foot in the mouth, uh, his mouth over the weekend. Oh, we're we're that's, gonna get
4: to Gannon. I thought we'd start with arts, but we'll get to that, that's
3: uh, that's a head that's a head coach. You know, it's not always easy to stay on on point when when speaking extemporaneously as you know jody you've been doing this a very long time sometimes things come out wrong and 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 uh not with jalen man he's very he's very focused he's very on point but you're right i mean you can't go off into meandering thoughts if you want to if you don't want to get in trouble occasionally so um it's part of it it's it's part of what makes him uh, what he's turned into as a player, not a big part, but um, I, I, I think it's, you know, one of those aspects of discipline um, that that sort of bleeds over to more important aspects of his development uh, a, as a football player. I just think it, it, you know, if you're that disciplined in one aspect, you tend to be that disciplined in all aspects.
4: Right. Here's uh, where I was hoping to go with this. And here's the percentage chance that I think it can actually go there. Uh, But we might as well try anyway. You or or one of your other uh, cohorts hopefully go down this road. Uh, Jalen, with the draft coming up on Thursday, Eagles having two first-round picks, wouldn't you like to see – nothing like a leading question. Wouldn't you like to see them add, like, a significant (laughs) offensive piece to make your life easier and protect their $255 million investment? the chance to Boy, join you want
3: to go you, you want to go down that band now nah, I, I you never know i mean, I, you know when the quarterback shows up there's a bunch of people that show up that typically aren't there so you never know what uh what what's going to come out of something just what i was talking about again uh, you never know what somebody's what's going to come out of somebody's mouth but you're certainly not going to answer that um he certainly knows. He's going to say, "Show me some Bijan." He, he, he sure. yeah. I mean,
4: today not going to throw that up on a T-shirt.
3: No, in fact, it, 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 you know, I, I think if you put the sodium pentothal into the, Jalen Hurts, he'd, he'd be in the same category as, as what I've been trying to explain. He'd be in the. You know, we don't need. We, I, I don't want to hand the ball. I don't want to turn around and hand the ball off. If 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 you put that true serum in him, he'd be like, you know, the Eagles were the number one rushing team in the NFL in the, out of eleven personnel last season. Number one, it, it doesn't get better than that. Uh, last time I looked, you can't. By,
4: by what metric are you using uh, to put them at number one?
3: Uh, they're number one in eleven personnel. When when there's three Just receivers, total rushing yards. Uh, yeah, total rushing okay. yards. Um, when they're in 11 personnel, which which is when they're spreading the field, which is where they're at their best, which is about sort of manipulating the numbers up front. We always talk about the plus one in the running game. That's where they succeed. They're number five in 12 personnel. When it gets more condensed, um, uh, when you have two tight ends, are oh, still really good. But, you know, not as good uh, because they don't have the same. Now, and that's why I had one scout tell me, you want to improve their running game as silly as it seems because it's already really good. Get another receiver or or another receiving tight end because you're going to manipulate the numbers. You're going to be able to spread the field. As counterintuitive as it is, again, other than the health standpoint, Uh, which is big. I'm not dismissing it, but the Eagles have said, I'm just going on the Eagles and they've said it pretty consistently. You know, we're not taking away a superpower. We're not paying them more to do less. They've said it pretty consistently. So I'm going on the Eagles here. Um, yeah, you know, you're as counterintuitive it is whether you want to go to Walter Payton, Jim Brown, B. John Robinson, wherever you think it is. Um, just him turning around and handing the football off is not going to be as effective as what they do in 11 personnel. Now that that's been my whole point since the start of this sort of running back Kirk popple And if you, if you shot him up with the truth serum, he'd be like, I don't want to do that.
4: Uh, uh, but he's not, every, he's not going to admit
3: it either way.
4: Every quarterback wants to drop back and throw it 50 times. So he would not be alone if that were uh, what came out after a dose of truth serum, uh, you you you're quoting stats and facts to me here, Johnny Mac, but that flies in the face of the fact that the Eagles are going to acquire Derrick Henry on draft night, and they're just going to pound the ball into the opposition. Yeah. up. I I, I
3: well, all I said about that was that would be the least Eaglesy thing ever uh, to acquire Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, there's no truth to that. I I you know I. Well, I I I give one fan credit because I've I've been you know amazed at how many fans are obsessed with running back in the modern era, and forget about in the modern era in general with this team, with this team that they watch, and yet they're obsessed with running backs. And forget about Derrick Henry. It was Ezekiel Elliott first, and then it was Dalvin Cook, and now it's Derrick Henry
4: in the middle. Yes,
3: and now it's Derrick Henry, and Bijan's been over riding presence of it all and i give you know one fan credit he was joking a little bit obviously but he said hey you know they're always ahead of the curve maybe they're gonna they're gonna trade for derrick henry and draft John robinson and turn football back into the 1970s um and i give him more credit than most um look they are what they are Uh, jeffrey lorry tells you there are certain things Like, when Jeffrey Lurie tells you what he wants this offense to be, he's not lying to you because he's he's been pretty consistent with it. When Howie Roseman tells you he's going to default to offensive and defensive linemen, he's not lying to you because he does it. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, fantasy football, video games. I don't know know what to tell
4: you. I'll, I'll get back to the drafting of a running back. And, again, well on record here. I'm okay with B. John Robinson. If they take him at number 10, if they drop down a little bit, they get a little bit more value at it. Take him at 14 or 15. I'm okay. I think B. John Robinson is going to be a very special player. I like Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. I think he's going to be a second-round pick of how he can play the let's make a deal, move around the draft, get him at just the right spot. That would be my preference with their second-round pick so they didn't have to use a uh, one of their two first-round picks to take a running back. So that's best-case scenario for me. But I'm a Bijan guy. I'm not saying you can't tell, oh, my God, there's no such thing as a running back taken in the top half of the first round. I don't buy that for a millisecond. Here's why I'll stick with that, at least, and dismiss Derrick Henry latest, uh, the, the Viking guy, and going all the way back to Ezekiel. I laughed when I read the Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott thing. I actually <laughs> thought it was funny because it was the most bold-faced maneuver I'd ever seen. He just wanted to put the eagle name into the mix so the Cowboys would pay attention. So I almost, I, almost,
3: I almost called you up uh, on the Ezekiel Elliott thing just to do a special show to say no. Uh, yeah. to, to, uh, that, to do it immediately.
4: That, that yeah. had zero zero chance of happening. But at least with the guys who were in this year's draft, there's value. And you talk about uh, Harry Roseman and coming forth and telling you exactly, he talks about value. Whenever you guys get a chance of leading up the draft, he talks about value. Were well, you getting a running back on a rookie deal who you can plug and play? There are running backs that come in year one, day one, NFL career and are productive players. That makes sense. Getting a running back with all the tread off the tires—I don't care how good they've been—and they're making seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven million dollars—that makes no sense. All it is is name recognition, Johnny Mac. So I—I I can't throw all the running backs into one big pot of stew. They're different. A draftable running back this year is one thing. A veteran running back, albeit has a resume in the National Football League. Um, yeah, they're they're just not the same exact thing to me. And I think people that are trying to make it uh one big uh stew, I think are just absolutely off uh no, cover. they'll
3: uh, first of all, they've already proven look, they'll start talking about running backs usually in the second round. They drafted miles in the second round, they'll draft a running back in the second round. You know, when we talk about positional value it doesn't mean they're never going to draft a particular position they drafted Nicobe dean in the third round they drafted davion taylor in the third round they all all linebackers they'll they'll draft these players with premium picks draft these positions they're not going to do it at the top of the draft uh top 10 and yes the value gets better um sure i mean that's what happened with nicobe dean uh the value was too good to pass up they, they didn't think they were going to get the Dean in the third round. Uh, and he was there and they took him. Um, so it's not that they're never going to take these players. I, I mean, they've done it in the past. They'll do it again. I think they're going to draft a running back, uh, this week. Uh, I'm just not in the first round. Um, I, I think they're going to add, I've been pretty consistent with that. I, I, You've asked me a number of times. She's going to lead the Eagles in carries, and I say it's TBD because he's not here yet. Um, that's my thought, and and it might be Rashad Penny if he can ever stay healthy. But might um, might my, my, if you're asking me to bet, I'm going TBD.
5: Right.
3: right. Um, but uh, you know, so the, you're right. But as far as the veterans, and I've heard, well, he'll be like Lagarette Blunt. What Le, Lagarette Blunt cost the veteran minimum, veteran minimum. in May? Yep. Yeah, if they cut him, yeah, he might be LeGarrett Blunt. And by the way, would be a hell of a lot better than LeGarrett Blunt. I don't know why these people conflate. This is Derrick Henry. This ain't LeGarrett Blunt, uh, who is a, a good, solid player. Um, even with all the tread, yeah, if he gets cut and he'll come in for the veteran minimum, which I can't imagine in a million years he would do, um, sure. Uh, but they're not going to trade for him. Um, and add $10 million on top of it because you got to pick up the contract. And, oh, by the way, he wants a new contract. He's right. like every other veteran player. He, he's got no guaranteed money left. He wants an extension. Um, so, yeah, that part of it's silly. Same thing with Alvin Cook. He's got a big deal. Look, if they cut him, if he's willing to come in and ring chase, yeah, it'd be a great fit. But that's down the road. That's down the road. Certainly right. not not involving trades or anything of that aspect.
4: And I will predict right now. Uh, I know it's floating out there as a rumor. Vikings are not going to cut Dalvin Cook if they can trade him and get something for him. I think they would consider that, but they're not. Oh gonna... boy, I think they're going to cut him. <laughs> you I think, think they're going to cut him? <laughs> All right. Yeah, well,
3: they they have no money. They have no money under the cap. They got to do something. They can't even sign the rookie class. Um. So. You know, whether it's a a Darius Smith or Dalvin Cook, those are the two players that people assume they're going to move on from. Yeah, they prefer to trade them. Maybe it's even an Allen Robinson-like trade where they're paying some money to get out of it. Um, You know, baseball sort of like trade, um, basketball-like trade. Um, But I don't think they can, and they paid the backup, you know, starter money which indicates they're going to move on at some point. And that's part of the problem because, look, they have a very young GM, not as savvy at this point as, say, Howie Roseman. So you've signaled to everybody you're going to move on. So why is anybody going to trade for the guy? They're just going to wait for you to cut him.
4: All right. I think there are are other moves they can and will make before they'll move away from Dalvin Cook. I know they've got their backup sign, but – uh, Dalvin Cook's still a pretty good player, except for one thing. Do you know who had more rushing yards last year than Dalvin Cook, Johnny Mack?
3: Miles Sanders?
4: That would be Miles Sanders. You know who rushed for more yards per attempt than Dalvin Cook?
3: Yeah, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders.
4: You know who had more touchdowns than Dalvin Cook? Miles, Miles Sanders. Sanders. And the Eagles let Miles Sanders walk out the door for a reasonable deal to the Carolina Panthers. So do you really see the Eagles paying a significant Nothing against
3: Miles who had a career year, though. But that's what I'm talking about with Jalen Hurts. All right, we all know Dalvin Cook is a descending player, but he's been a significantly better player than Miles Sanders over his career. If you put Dalvin Cook with with Jalen Hurts, eh, you're going to get better. You're going to get better than Miles Sanders because he's a better player. But that's my whole point.
4: He's with Kirk Cousins, your guy.
3: the the, the Potential Hall of Famer someday. Manipulate. Kirk Cousins is a drop back passer. Kirk Cousins is who you want Derrick Henry for. Jalen Hurts is manipulating the box. Manipulating. I don't know how many times I can say this. Jalen Hurts makes running backs better. Kirk Cousins. Derrick Henry would make Kirk Cousins better. Derrick Henry isn't making Jalen Hurts better. Jalen Hurts manipulates the box, manipulates the numbers. That's why the Eagles were number one in 11 personnel running the football. They don't want to turn it around in a traditional running game and hand the football off to Derrick Henry. They don't want to hand the football off. They want to manipulate the front. And that's why Miles Sanders had a career year. And that's why the Eagles, by the way, made the right decision in letting Miles Sanders walk because they will get to be determined. It might be Jack it might be the kid from Pitt. It might be somebody else. And we're going to talk to Ian Cummings about it. They'll get somebody and they're going to look like world beaters in this offense because of the offensive line and Jalen Hurts.
4: And Ian is in our green room and I, I thank him for his patience. I got just one more question for you and then we'll get to my promise. Why didn't yeah, uh, Miles Sanders have the career year the previous year with Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback?
3: Well, uh, why didn't Hassan Reddick have a career? Why do people have career years? Well, Hassan Reddick I mean, was on another team. Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders were but, teammates on the Eagles. But uh, people have career years. Miles deserves a lot of credit. He had a very, very good season. But the Eagles, remember, the Eagles offense, even though Miles wasn't effective, they're, the Eagles running offense as effective. His, his yards per carries were. The touchdowns were weird. I You know, they take him off the field. He didn't, you know, that's kind of something that's, you know, you can't count on. It, it comes into some, sometimes you have a big year. Sometimes you have a, a, a career year. Overall, the effectiveness of the Eagles running game was still there. Was still there with Jalen Hurts. It's been off the charts since Jalen Hurts, the Eagles running game, since he's taken over. He's the key to it. He's the crux to it, not the running backs. Uh-huh. He's the crux to it. I,
4: I, Johnny's going down to talk to Jalen Hurts today. I think he's starting well by overstating how good the Eagle running game was in 2021. Uh, no, this past year was great. 2021, it was not
3: comparable to 2022. It it's just still, not- I'm talking about in the NFL. They were a better team. I mean, they were the best team in the NFL for the majority of the year. They were 14 and one last The year before that, they weren't as good. They weren't as good as a team. He was still finding his way, but they still ran the football effectively. They still ran the football very, very effectively. They were just a much better team this year. So of course everything went up. They're not getting seventy sacks this year. I mean, they're just not, I mean, you know, it was one of those special years and miles was part of that. Miles deserves a lot of credit, but I do think the Eagles made the right decision. And understand. Look, his numbers are inflated a little bit because of the quarterback. That's all I'm saying.
4: Mm, all right. Yeah, we gotta get the Ian Cummings uh, from Pro Football Network, Draft Insider. Ian Cummings joins us next here on Birds Three Sixty Five.
6: imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
7: I was scared of what the end was going to be but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be alright just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be alright. Call
6: the firm and find out why they say we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
5: of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
8: go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
4: 365 on the first day of draft We are getting that much closer to the NFL's draft on Thursday night, and here to help us break it down is a guy who does it day in and day out for the Pro Football Network, Ian Cummings, uh, who has jumped on with us previously and always done a great job. Uh, we have faith he will do so again today. Ian, very simple first question: What did you score on the S2 cognitive test? Because now, hundred, it- obviously. No, no, I don't know. man. When did it become I mean. mandatory that everyone who even uh, mock drafts for a living must take this test to yeah. see how cognitive they are? I, I, I'm sorry. This this is making me crazy the week before the draft. Mm-hmm. Give us your thoughts on the test, how it's implemented, how it should be judged, what piece of the puzzle it is. This stuff is just absolutely nuts, if you ask me.
9: Yeah, it's been a lot to handle, especially in, you know, the week leading up to the draft, right? Two weeks away from the draft. It's a little too close, and it feels almost like, you know, we know it's smokescreen season. We know teams are releasing certain tidbits of information for certain reasons, right? So it's tough to take it at full stock. But it's it's also interesting because we know that there are results going back to Drew Brees, right? We know that they've been doing it for a while. This yeah, just, but, it-
4: can, I, can, I, can I take a time out here? And I don't want to get too sidetracked. Supposedly, this test was created seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So Drew Brees took the test in his 13th year in the season. Yeah. Do I care what his number was, what his score was, if he's taken it at age 35 after playing 13 years in the league?
9: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, that's an element too. you know, like sometimes guys take it after that and they've had time to kind of hone their skills in the league, like you said. So in the heat of the moment. So it's it's tough to take it at full stock at full face level because of that, man. But I think it is important to at least consider it. Right. I, I don't I don't want to toss it off to the side completely because cognition scores, you know, we've. Brock Purdy scored the highest score last year, and he obviously, you know, did pretty well in that San Francisco offense. Now, it's also important to note that that San Francisco offense is very quarterback friendly. I mean, we've seen, you know, mid-level quarterbacks succeed because Kyle Shanahan is so good at crafting that kind of offense. So there are so many different variables to take into account. And with CJ Stroud in particular, it's been very, very overwhelming because the tape is vehemently against any conclusions that you would draw from his s2 score you know people look at the s2 score the rumored s2 score we don't even know if it's confirmed and they say oh he's not a good processor well on tape he's probably one of the best processors in this qb class he's very good at anticipating windows very good at reading coverages and you know keeping his eyes downfield and making quick decisions so you know I, i i'm not sure how much stock to put into it you don't want to disregard it entirely but it is just a piece of the puzzle and it's important to keep that universal worldview uh, on, on hand here.
3: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you can't leak the wonder scores anymore and so they found something else to leak. <laughs> as, as that's how I look. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't want to call it a grip, but it's kind of a grip because as you said, it's a, not, not the test. I mean, I'm sure they did a wonderful job. A couple Vanderbilt neuroscience guys. I'm sure they did a, you know, wonderful job yeah, trying to create information. A, and
9: the thing yeah. with information is that teams can weaponize it, you know? To, yeah, exactly. To, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so you yeah. have to be careful. Yeah. So, you know,
3: law, we love them for the predictive model, but I'm with you. I, I have to take it all with a grain of salt. I did joke that I, I scored 11 billion on the <laughs> S2 cognitive score. So we'll see. I don't want to brag, but uh, we'll, we'll, you know, your thoughts on this, since we're talking quarterbacks, and obviously that's very important here for Philadelphia not because they need a quarterback. They just paid a quarterback $250 million. But the more quarterbacks that go in that top nine pushes the better positional players down the board. You mentioned silly season. Now there's talk, hey, somebody's looking up to trade the two to get Will Levis. He might go outside the top ten. Where are you with this quarterback class, specifically that top four? And even Hendon Hooker, if you want to throw him in.
9: Yeah, my conclusion from Tate, my personal individual conclusion has always been that those top four are worthy of consideration in the top 10. I think Bryce Young, it pretty much looks like he's going to go number one at this point. CJ Stroud is my personal QB one, you know, even with the S2 score. You know, it's one of those things where you're going out
3: on a limb. But they're, Here's the thing.
9: They're, I'm not there the, with
3: you, buddy. I've been top. since
4: last year's draft. You yeah, and I are the- going to live and die with CJ Stroud. I'm good with that.
9: Hey, here's the thing though. You know, they're basically QB one A, one B, and one C on my board. They are clustered together at the very top. Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson is QB two, and then Bryce Young is QB three. But you know, I would be good with any of them at, at number one overall. I think you know, there's arguments for both. Stroud again has the natural talent, but he's also a very good processor, the most accurate and precise QB in the class. Richardson's tools are out of this world and you know he's shown flashes of the necessary processing capacity in a small sample size so again you know the talent is worth investing in and then Bryce Young you know the size is an issue but when it comes to having that it factor and staying composed in chaotic situations there's no one better than him so you know I think all three of those guys are worthy of top 10 consideration and if they fall to a certain point you know you have to ask yourself as a team if I can upgrade at the quarterback position would I, you know, would I benefit from passing on this guy? And what if he goes on to pan out, right? You know, it's it's a missed opportunity for you. So I think, especially in A. Rich's case, because the tools are just so astronomical. it's It's one of those things where if you pass on him, you might really come to regret it down the line. So, and then even Levis, I mean, he's got a rocket arm. You definitely didn't see the type of linear progression that you wanted to see from him in two years but there was some instability in that Kentucky offense too so you know you don't want to make excuses for him but you do need to take the context into account too bottom line we know he's smart off the field we know he can learn right so it's one of those things where if he has the necessary talent and the necessary toughness again get him in that room I think at a certain point the Titans to me at number 11 feel like it's 4 we've been hearing that they are considering trading up for QB so if a QB falls to them without having to trade up that seems like a home run for them but You know, I think all four of those guys are worthy of top 10 capital. Hennon Hooker, to me, is not a first round pick. I would take him on mid to late day two but I think people are kind of extrapolating the production a little bit too much. To me, he's coming from a very simplistic offense. He's, he's older, right? So it's not an issue of the age, but he might be set in his ways a little bit from a developmental perspective. So, you know, you need to take those things into account, but as far as the QB class goes, I think four should go in the top 10. Will four go in the top 10? We'll see. The draft has a way of surprising us, but I think that's how it should be. If you value the QB position and talent at that position
4: older and injured with uh, Hennon Hooker. And I know that they believe he's going to come back and be exactly the same, but that's uh, a little risky to be using a first round pick on a guy who's coming off a severe injury as the one he suffered. I want to keep the quarterback conversation and bring the Eagles into it. Completely hypothetical question, because I'm going to ask you about a potential pick that the Eagles don't even have yet. Fifth round, The, the second round of day three in the NFL draft, which of course the Eagles don't have a fifth round. They don't have a fourth to trade back from. They don't have a sixth to trade up to. They, so so we're talking about as hypothetical as it gets. But if Howie Roseman does his draft day thing and adds and swaps and uh, picks up picks, someone in about the fifth round, a backup quarterback. Jalen Hurts just became a quarter billion dollar guy who was drafted as a safety net for Carson Wentz. Did okay a couple of years later. And I'm not suggesting this next guy, fifth rounder as compared to a second, will do the same. But the Eagles have a track record of picking a quarterback who is their safety net, who they think they can develop in the quarterback factory. Who's the best guy to fit the Philadelphia Eagles as they are, who you think will be there in the fifth round?
9: Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of it does depend on how the board falls in day three. Some of these guys that I'm going to mention could go in, day, in in round four, right? So especially on day three, the valuation tends to be a little, you know, spread out more, right? You know, a team might value one guy in round seven, but if, a team, if another team values him in round four, that's where he's going, right? So, yep. you know, it's tough to take in a lot of variables, but three guys that come to mind for me right off the bat, Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Um, this guy's a gamer. Two of these guys are really gamers. I mean, they all have competitive toughness. I think that's one thing that you really look for in a backup. That's one of the prerequisites for me. And Hayner's definitely got that. He's a very, very high-energy competitor, but in the pocket, too. Very good processor. He can anticipate windows in the intermediate range, outside the numbers. He's got enough arm talent to make it work. He's accurate. You know, he's shown that he can command an offense, a pass-heavy offense. So, And he's actually a pretty good athlete for his size, too. So I'm a big fan of him. Clayton Toon from Houston. This is a guy who's actually a very underrated athlete. He's around 6'3", 220. He ran a 4'6", had a 37 and a half inch vertical. So, you know, this guy has enough short area bursts to move around and evade rushers in the pocket. But at the same time, he's tough. He's composed. composed, You know, he can rip it down the field. I think he's got a little bit better arm talent than Hayner. And, uh, you know, he's, again, you know, that guy who just comes in And he is a gunslinger. He's willing to sell himself out for big plays if you need him to. Uh, So I think that toughness, again, is very valuable in a backup. And then one more, I especially like his fit behind Jalen Hurts, Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA, experienced, very mobile. He's got elite creation capacity, uh, a little bit volatile. He never quite reached, you know, the ideal level of development as a starter, even with multiple years as a starting quarterback. But, you know, I do think that athleticism, that creation capacity that he does provide, at the very least, provides a baseline level. Of utility as backup quarterback,
3: uh, yeah, I love uh, Dorian as well for the Eagles. I mean, we've all talked about Marcus Mariota being a bit because you don't have to change the offense, even though it's not going to be as effective, uh, would be so. If you want to go in that direction and, and continue sort of the same theme, he would make a lot of sense, uh, for me on day three. Um, I apologize in advancing and you probably heard Jody and I going back and forth about running back. Running back has been an obsession for Eagles fans in this draft because of Bijan Robinson. So um, I think we all uh, will agree is a really good prospect. Um, now, number one I don't, I don't want to compare him to this year because he's clearly the best running back. But if you compare him compare him to years past, whether it's Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, where is he sort of overall as a prospect? And did the Eagles need a big-time running back for Jalen Hurts uh, in what he does as the plus one for the running game?
9: Yeah. Well, as a prospect, Bijan is advertised. He is up there with Saquon, in my opinion. I think Saquon was a bit better athlete. Uh, explosiveness-wise, speed-wise, but I do think Bijan is the better runner. So I think he's in that tier, you know, that caliber as a prospect. I don't think the hype is overblown. I think he's exactly as good as people make it out to be. The size, the contact balance, but then the creation ability, the short area elusiveness for his size, the flexibility between his cuts. He's always in control, and he's a physical finisher. He's a phenomenal receiving threat. He checks every box that he wants. So he's a top three prospect for me, you know, if you're not taking positional value into account. So I'm a big fan of his. That said, though, you bring up a great question for the second one. Do the Eagles need a runner like that? They signed Rashad Penny in free agency. He struggled to stay healthy for sure. And I think that's why you want to get a running back in, you know, day two or early day three in this class if you can. But Penny, when he has been healthy, I think he's been one of the NFL's leaders in rushing yards over yeah. expectations. So very efficient runner when he is healthy, and he's behind a very, very good offensive line. So I think getting Penny doesn't preclude you from taking a running back in this class, but what it does do is it allows you flexibility. You don't have to take beach on if you don't want to. And, you know, there are some quality players that could be there for the Eagles. Nolan Smith, maybe, an edge rusher, defensive tackle. You know, so I think that doesn't force them into a corner. and You can wait until day two. And on day two, there are some very good options. I think the Eagles' running scheme, especially the blocking talent that they have, allows them to be versatile. I like Tank Bigsby from Auburn in particular. Uh, he's around 5'11", 210, 215 again. So he's got workhorse size, but he's explosive in space. He's got that speed element to be a zone runner as well and get outside. But at the same time, too, he's another very flexible runner between the tackles. Very good creator. So I think the versatility that he provides is very fun. Uh, Izzy Bonaconda, I, I know you mentioned that uh, Izzy Bonaconda, the pit running back. He's yeah. a- another guy who's very good between the tackles. He's not quite as good outside. So I think power and gap is what you're going to use him for. But you know, between the tackles, he is a no-nonsense runner. He gets upfield very efficiently. And he's another one who has very good size, around 5'10", 5'8", 217 pounds. So he is dense. He's a bowling ball out there. But then he's explosive, too. He gears up instantly, game-breaking speed down the field. So his running ability, pure running ability between tackles, uh, is, is up there with some of the best in the class. And then Zach Charbonnet, you also mentioned, round two or round three. You know, he's another fun one. He's another guy who, you know, he's a little stiff in his hips. He's a little lower on my board because of that. I don't think he quite has the elite lateral agility that you want. But another guy who's just so good at churning through contact, he gets upfield without any nonsense, any extra motion. And, you know, once he hits contact, he's not going down for a little bit. He's a train out there, you know, just kind of bowling through. So big fan of those guys. And there's a few others that kind of stand out. Kendra Miller is one, Tajay Spears. There are a lot of options in this class. And I think that versatility, that flexibility, you know, it's a good thing for the Eagles because they can play the board and get the guy who's best for them. Um,
4: uh, we could do another 20 minutes on running backs, but John and I already talked running backs. You gave us a rundown on running backs, so let's get into where the Eagles are probably draft anyway. And that's the trenches on the line. How many offensive linemen will be off the board before the Eagles pick at number 10? You got your mock, and if you're going to remock again sometime between now and Wednesday, fine. You could everybody's got till Thursday morning to put their last mock in, but as of right now. How many offensive linemen go before the Eagles pick?
9: It's tough, man. I've been I've been a proponent that this tackle class, while it is strong at the top, there's a lot of first-round guys. I don't know if there's any top 10 guys. So, you know, I've always been of the mind that I think they fall outside the top 10. But we've been hearing that a team is <clears going throat> trying to trade up to number three with the Cardinals at to get an offensive tackle. We've heard that maybe Paris Johnson Jr. is the guy in mind for that. I think you have to look at other positions when you're, when you're considering this, I pencil in the Lions as either Jalen Carter or Corner at six. You know, maybe Jalen Carter for the Seahawks at five. Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson, we know that they're probably going to go top 10. And then maybe three or four quarterbacks too. So, you know, I don't think there's a lot of room for more than one offensive tackle to sneak into the top 10. I think there could be one potentially, Um, whether there's going to be two or three or four, that's a little bit tougher to call. Now, the Bears maybe could take Darnell Wright at number nine. We know they need a natural right tackle, but I think at most you're getting two, and even then, I think that's a little bit, that's kind of, you know, optimistic for that Mm -hmm. position group. I think the 10 to 20 range is where they start to come down the board more.
3: You know, that every time in this time of year, I try to boil down the players I think the Eagles are interested in potentially would take with their first first round pick. they have two this year. Um, and then I kind of whittle it down. I announce my official uh, prediction on on Wednesday. but you mentioned one of them, Nolan Smith, uh, I think is a potential Paris Johnson if he balls, I think is a potential. Jalen Carter, I think, is the guy they would take if he somehow falls down. Um Christian Gonzalez, I think, is a wild card if he somehow falls down. Um Peter Skaronsky probably would like to trade down a little bit, but he's in the category. And and one other guy that they would like. John's going all- Bijan. John.
4: Unbelievable. A 180 by John. No, all right.
3: No, I'm not going, I'm not going B. John. um one other guy they like and the fans hate i can't tell you how many people they just jumped down this poor guy's throat and the vast majority let's be honest they haven't seen him play lucas van ness where are you with poor lucas van ness as a prospect you know there's a lot of projection there but you know so i just want to get your thoughts on lucas
9: Absolutely. I'm, I'm big on his potential, for sure. You know, he's in my top 15. I'm a big fan of the upside that's there. I think he's a good pick at that point. I think, you know, it's a lot of projection, right? People are going to say he never started a game at Iowa, and that's yeah. correct. He didn't, but also Iowa defers to veterans a lot, so I, I don't think it's a reflection on him. I think it's more just kind of how they've done things. Yeah, he played past.
3: more. He played yeah, he more played more. They rotated yeah. him a lot,
9: yeah. and here's the thing, too. In 2021, he played three-tech a lot. He was still dominating. I mean, this is a guy who's around 6'5", 272, 34-inch arms. So he's not quite that defensive tackle size, but he was still just plowing holes open on the interior. And then he plays on the outside, too, and that elite power element is a big part of his game. Uh, I think he's still 21 years old, so he's got that size profile, that elite size profile. He's very young. I think there's still a lot of room for him to keep trending up and developing, and he's explosive off the line. Uh, He's got violent hands. And I think for the most part right now, he's a power dominant rusher, you know, bull rushes, long arms, stuff like that. He still needs to kind of hone his counter game a little bit more, but I love the tools that you're working with, the combined power profile and the athleticism. And at the same time too, you know, with taller guys, one thing that can be a struggle is really acquiring proper pad level, lowering your pads and kind of surging through with proper leverage. You know, that can be an issue for taller guys, but for Van Ness, That is not an issue at all. He's so flexible. He so easily drops his pads, loads his hips and gets full power exertion on his rushes. And that ease of leverage acquisition is one reason that I'm so much higher on him because he does need to refine his hand usage, but dropping his pads and playing with the right amount of leverage is not an issue at all for him. It's so easy, comes so naturally for him. So that, on top of the traits, I think is an accelerant for him to grow. I think right away on day one, he can be that battering ram for you at three-tech, four-eye, five-tech, outside the tackle, and then as he continues to refine his hand usage, this guy can be a game-breaker. You know, I love the upside. I think he's still very early in his developmental track, and I'm I'm very much in favor of that pick of 10 if they make it. The only uh,
4: uh, narrative that is more overhyped than Lucas Van not start, uh, and incorrectly so, is the S2 cognitive test. Those two. Yeah, I'll put both of those completely freaking aside, okay? Um, Staying on the defensive line. If the Eagles don't necessarily get, and I guess if they take an edge guy, they could come back. Let's say they don't. Let's say they get an offensive lineman. The number two defensive tackle for me is Class Cansey, the kid from Pitt. Who is unfair? There's another unfair narrative. Oh, he's the next Aaron Donald. Yeah, that's really fair. Compare him to the best defensive tackle in the rest of the national history of National Football League before he ever plays it down. Please stop. Uh, but he's a very talented player, some comparison, same pit, and slightly undersized and the like. If he's the number two DT, is there a chance he could fall all the way down to 30 and into the Eagles' lap? If they need to move up, how far do you think they're going to have to move up into the 20s to get them? How do you have Calais Kim uh, ranked uh, coming into this draft to pit DT?
9: Yeah, he's been, man. I mean, you mentioned expectations. People look at the pit logo on the helmet and then look at the undersized frame. It's like, oh, he's Aaron, Aaron Donald 2.0. It's like, no, no, no I mean, come on. Like, let's one thing yeah. I try to it's stay away from same school yeah. comps for that reason because it can exactly. put unfair expectations on players. <laughs> but I, I think with College Kansi, you know, he is a very good football player. And I think we need to start with that because anytime you have a massive outlier like this, you need to know, is he athletic enough to counteract that? Is he good enough at football to counteract that? And I think he is. He's a very explosive Athlete, athlete off the snap. I mean, he broke the DT record for the 40 yard dash. I mean, unless you count Adamiwa, a from Northwestern, you know, which no, I count
3: him. Not any, I love it. I gotta, I gotta, I I gotta play back you pronouncing his name because I've had a lot of practice, like, man. Yeah. Had a
9: lot of practice. Give it to us one more time. Adeda Miwa, a Yes. <laughs> he goes by Tommy. So I mean if you want to stick with Tommy, he
4: goes by what?
9: Tom. Tommy. Yeah. Tommy Adetimiwa. Yeah, Tommy like, can you hear me
4: really oh that's <laughs> great
9: we're so calling him Tommy go. from now on there you go that's easier right but going back to Kalijah Cancy, I mean he's a massive size outlier for sure I think he's in the second percentile in weight the first percentile in arm length right so even Aaron Donald he's undersized but he his arms are over two inches longer than Cansey. I think so you know he's working with more leverage and lever power with those arms I think with Cancy, it's going to be You know, a bit of a transition for him going up against stronger interior blockers. You know, I think you need a nose tackle alongside him to encumber those double teams and free up one on one opportunities for him. Luckily, the Eagles have that in Jordan Davis. But that said, I think Cancy, you know, he grades just outside my top 30. So I wouldn't take him in the 20s to 30 range. You know, I would wait a little bit longer. I would take a Dev Warre over him just because I think the tools are a little bit more superior on the three tech spot. But Cansey, you know, he's explosive. He's incredibly flexible. He's twitchy. He's got violent hands. You know, w- what he lacks in length, he makes up for with that violent hand usage, a very, very vast pass rushing arsenal. You know, I think if you're going to make Cancy work, you need to be flexible with him. You know, play him alongside that nose tackle, isolate one on one opportunities, maybe move him out to four eye and five tech on some snaps. You know, I think you need to be flexible. You need to be open to moving him across the line and putting him in advantageous situations. You know, it's a little rich for me. You know, I would wait until 30. That said, I don't know if he's going to be there because there are some teams who are very high on his ability as a football player. So I think you know it's going to be tough. If you do want to take him, my gut feeling says he goes in that 20 to 30 range, I think, you know, if he does go. So I would trade up maybe a (laughs) little bit if you want him. But if you don't, you know, if you're willing to look at other uh, options too, I think Adeba Wore is a very good consolation prize at 30 if you want to stick there and take that value. So a lot of options. I think we can see the thing is, you know, moving him around the line because that size is going to be a hindrance to the next level, as good of a football player as he is.
3: And I've uh, got to talk about safety with you. I think that's a position the Eagles are going to look at really heavily on day two. Um, you know, every year, uh, there's three longtime scouts I, I talk to that have been very nice to me and they give me sort of their top 10 at every position. And boy, I've never seen such wild, uh, Disparity at the safety position this year. I mean, some guys like one uh, and another guy hates them. <laughs> it's it's wild. Usually have more sort of consistency. Other than Brian Branch, I think you know he's clearly at the top. Um, I think he's a perfect fit for what the Eagles do, but I don't know if they're going to be in a position to get him. So if if I ask you, I, I need a safety. For the big banjo scheme so coverage more than you know run support you got to be able to mirror play a little bit of slot Um, you don't have strong safety designations it's pretty much interchangeable other than Brian branch who fits that definition the best.
9: Yeah, it's a tough one, man. Because I do think you know, playing a little bit of slot, having the versatility to play in that role, if that's what you're looking for. I mean, this class does have a lot of that too. You know, I think this class, and that's kind of the reason that evaluating this class has become so difficult. Because so many of these guys did play a lot in the slots. Now you wonder, all right, well, can they play too high? Can they manage space? Can do they have some single high experience? Right. So you know, it's tough to parse through that. But you know, I do think if that's what you're looking for. This class definitely has it. I look to Illinois. There's two candidates for me, Jartavius Martin and Sidney Brown. I think both those guys could fit that definition. Both guys played in the slot at times. I think Martin a little bit more than Brown. Brown was more roaming in the box at times. So I think Martin might be a better fit for you. But this is a guy who's long. He's wiry. You know, he's explosive, very twitchy athlete who can match guys out of the slot and cover them upfield. He's got recovery speed, very good playmaking instincts. Uh, and he ran. I think he jumped a 44-inch vertical at the combine. So that explosiveness checks out. I mean, this dude accelerates instantly out of his stance. So Jartavius, he goes by Kwan. I think Kwan Martin would be a very good pick in the day two range. Um, I look to Antonio Johnson potentially at Texas a if he's there in round three. Could be another good option for you. Uh, He's around 6'2", I think, just under 200 pounds, but uh, very explosive coming downhill. You know, he was used in the box a lot at Texas A&M, especially in 2022. when he's really good in that role. You know, he can miss tackles sometimes, but aggressive physical playmaker, who I think is trending up. Uh, But in 2021, you know, people go back, don't always go back to 21, but he played in the slot more that year. And he can man up guys for his size. He's got very good off-man technique. He's actually more fluid than you expect for his size. And he's physical. He'll get in your grill. He'll jam you. Uh, so I think he does have ability in that role as well. Um, and then a couple others that stand out to me. I'll go one early day three, one late day three. Uh, early day three, Jay Ward from LSU is one that I'm a big fan of. He's around one, uh, but he's a former cornerback, actually. He's played on the boundary. He's played in the slot. He's, he's played field safety. And um, he's very good in run support, matching guys, and kind of covering range across the front. But um, he can man up guys, too. He's very fluid for his size, very explosive. I think he had an 11-foot broad jump. And then late day three, Rutgers safety Christian isian is a, is a favorite of mine in that, in that range. If you can get him late. Uh, he's a little more compact. He's around 5'9", 200, I want to say. But um, he's another guy who's got experience in the slot. He's got experience all over. He tested very well. Uh, he was productive at a very early age in college and at the Shrine Bowl too, he made some nice plays on the ball. He's, he can manage space. He's very instinctive flipping his hips and kind of managing positioning. Uh, and I think that he'd be a very good value option with that versatility that you're looking for. So those are a few options. I think this class is interesting because not a lot of traditional safeties, but if you know what roles to look for, there are guys to isolate and target.
4: All right. Ian, when the draft comes and goes and Mr. irrelevant this year, is going to be taken by the Houston Texans who I think is the most interesting team for the entire draft, starting at number two and going all the way through. They're going to be a story to tell. We're going to have to get John McClain on next week (laughs) after Houston does what it does. But they get Mr. Irrelevant. 259 players will be selected. And then depending on how many picks any team gets, trading in, trading out, adding picks, subtracting picks, somebody's going to come up with, oh, and by the way, this is the best – undrafted draft class we've ever had in our life because they're going (laughs) to want that to be the case because they're going to be reaching out for a lot of those guys. Eagles have hit on a bunch of those guys over the last couple of years, including a guy who's probably going to start at safety for them this upcoming year and read Blankenship. I draw that line at 259 and then there's everybody else. How good is everybody else? Is it a good year for undrafted free? Is it a deep overall made themselves eligible for draft class or is this yeah, you're going to reach it. Don't, don't give them too big a signing bonus because we got about 180 great, really good players and the rest are reaches. How do you rate this overall eligible for draft class?
9: For sure. I think it is a good overall draft class. Okay. I think, you know, if people, it gets a bad rap sometimes because it is lacking at the top. There's not nearly as much blue chip champ, talent as we're accustomed <clears throat> to seeing. That said, I think, you know, in the, I think the COVID year had an impact on this because a lot of players that would have declared earlier mm-hmm. ended up coming back and kind of adding an extra layer of depth to this class. And we're going to see that roll over next year, too. But um, we're seeing a much deeper class. I think what it lacks in blue chip talent, it makes up for with depth in that 200 to 300, even 400 range. So, you know, I think. People forget, people don't always realize how small the number 259 is. I mean, there's, yeah, 259 picks, but there are a lot of draft-eligible prospects in this class. And, you know, there are good players who are going to go undrafted. And so we, there's always opportunity there. But I think this class especially, you know, there are players that I've isolated at every position. It's like, this guy might be available in the PFA pool. And if he is, he's one of the first calls I'm making. I think there's a lot of talent to be had in that pool. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who falls because there's always unexpected ones, right? But I think, you know, even beyond those unexpected ones who are expected to be drafted, I think there's going to be a lot of talent to uh, take advantage of in that later in that UDFA pool.
3: Speaking of UDFAs, I'm going to end it there with the most boring question of all, and people know where this is going. At IC underscore draft, follow Ian Cummings on Twitter, Pro Football Network, as you can tell, does a tremendous job can even pronounce Tommy perfectly. Give it a, give it to us one more time.
9: Ademua There we go.
3: There we yeah, I'm, I'm
9: going with Addy Addy. That, Addy, that's Addy, Addy Addy. Addy one.
3: Um, the Eagles need a punter, but they don't have a lot of draft picks. They're probably not going to take a punter. So Give me the best punter you think is going to be undrafted. because uh, They lost the Super Bowl because their punter uh, couldn't uh properly situate the football um give me somebody who can do it at an nfl level last year it was ryan wright out of nowhere came a pretty good nfl punter um somebody like that for this year
9: yeah I'll give a shout out to my guy, Ali Hodgkinson over at PFN because he's a special teams expert. I always rely on him. You know, I, I go with, I go with non special teams positions, but there are a few names that come to mind for me. If you're looking for efficiency, I think Adam Corsick of Rutgers is your option. If you want a guy with a leg, right? Bryce Beringer from Michigan state, he's got a really big leg. Uh, I think he's around six, four. So he's got size, he's got a leg, he's got power, you know, and then Michael Turk from Arizona state is another one. You know, I got to speak to him at the shrine bowl. You know, he's a very well-spoken, you know, he's got good character, right? So I think getting him in that locker room would be good. Again, my guy, Ali, you know, he's the special teams expert, but those are a few names in the bottom of the board. I think that, you know, you could target if they fall outside of the draft pool.
4: And wisely, none of this year's punters have been given the nickname the punt god because (laughs) uh, I don't think you want to follow in the footsteps of the previous punt guy, but that's just a guess on my part. Ian, great stuff. We appreciate it. Whenever you come on, uh, just listen to you, describe the players. We know how much work you put into it. Thanks for sharing that with us. We'll get you on after the draft, bud. Thanks.
9: Yes, sir. Good to see you guys. Thanks again.
4: Thanks. pleasure. Check out all his work at ProFootballNetwork.com. does a great job for them. And with us, when he hops on with us, Ian Cunningham coming on with us here on birds 365 i know right, the eagles up. are
3: gonna i know the eagles are gonna draft tommy by the way jody just because they're gonna force me to learn how to pronounce
4: his name no but i think you and i have heard the same thing so he was like the kid yeah they uh, do. and number 30 is if they don't get a defensive lineman with their first pick a defensive lineman i think is damn close to a lock with their second pick and he's a guy who fits right in that 30 range trading up trading down <laughs> Uh, he is a guy the Eagles uh, do like, which means, yeah, we're both going to have to learn to pronounce his name if we're not going with Tommy or Addy Addy. We're going to have to do some work to get uh, ready for that. All right. Coming back, Johnny Mac and I are going to spend a couple minutes and then John's going to exit stage left. He wants to get over to the Novacare complex. Jalen Hurts talking to the media at 1030 coming up in just about 20 minutes after Johnny leaves. I'll be joined by Paul Domwich, our bud uh, from 3013.com. It writes for us here at uh, jacobsports.com as well. Uh, Damo should jump in in about 20 minutes, uh, but more Birds 365 coming up next.
6: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
7: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart,
6: I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222
5: Of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
8: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
4: you mega mac guys here on birds 365 uh johnny Howard number two coming your way johnny mac's gonna exit stage left and uh, get down and get some questions in for the new quarter billion dollar quarterback for the philadelphia eagles jalen Hurts. he's gonna address the media coming up about an hour and a half from now so uh johnny mac is gonna head on down there and uh we'll have that much more to talk about on tomorrow's birds 365 after jalen speaks um do want to run this one by you, John, and uh, also for all our streamers. We got over 400 people streamed in. Uh, thank you very much for doing so. If you want to hit the like button, you can. I feel bad begging and asking people to hit the like button. I know that it's part of the business and it's going to improve our, what is it again called again, John? We need to upgrade our algorithm. Fear? Algorithm. Yes.
3: Yeah.
4: Algorithm. Stuff still goes over my head. Just hit the uh, like
3: button. You're there anyway. Just hit it for
4: us, right? Uh, it's not like we're going to charge you to hit the like button. Yeah. Uh, and we do appreciate the people streaming day in and day out. They they make birds three sixty five. But I don't reference them. I don't. I I do keep an eye and I'll check some of the comments over the course of the show. Um, other shows here on Jacob do reference the stream a lot more than we do. Uh, Just personal choice. If we started doing that and then we referenced somebody and didn't reference somebody else, I can just see the people. Oh, he he, he mentioned this guy. uh, I'm not going I'm not opening up that door.
3: Plus we got each other to bounce off.
4: Exactly. Uh, And I'm going to reference you and I in just a second here, but I'm going to take a chance here, Johnny Mac. I'm going to reference the stream. I'm going to ask them to give us their thoughts on something I'm going to uh, put out there into Eagle Universe here Uh in just a second. Maybe, maybe the only NFL writer that I respect more than my partner, John McMullen, is Peter King. Uh, I've known Peter for a very long time. He's been doing it for a very long time. I think he's got more gravitas than any other football writer in the country. Just my personal opinion. Peter King won, John McMullen too. Um, Peter came out. Peter, if you're running second to to Peter King, that's a pretty good position to be in. Um, Peter came out with his mock draft on the
3: uh, pro football. uh, By the way, real quick before you jump in, that's one of the ones I pay close attention to.
4: His mock draft because he's as closely tied to teams and gets inside info and the like. So he came out with his mock today. So yes, I pay attention to it. I'm going to reference it here. I need to know what our streamers think of Peter King's two guys, which, by the way, the two things I always read on Monday morning, Peter King on uh, Pro Football Talk and Ruben Frank's 10 Eagle Observations. So I will mold those two together because it's must read on Monday morning for both of those guys. John McMullen, when was the last time the Philadelphia Eagles took two players in the first round of an NFL draft?
3: Ooh, um, I got to think about that. Uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't spot. know when
4: and Roo put it out there this morning. I said, damn, I never would have gotten that one.
3: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You got to tell me. 1993
4: 1993, uh, they had two first-round pick and, and used them both. Lester Holmes and Leonard Renfro went at 19 and 24, respectively, 30 years ago. And I just had moved to Philadelphia a couple of years before. So I had completely forgotten that that was the case. It it just goes to put the Eagles don't usually keep their first round draft pick. Shoot, last year, remember, going into draft day, they had not one, not two, three first round draft picks. And they ended up using one because they traded one for A.J. Brown and one they traded out to get the 10th pick this year with the same. So it just doesn't happen. The Eagles have two very often. And Peter King does his mock. And he does include some trades neither of which affected the Eagles. He had the Eagles picking at 10 and 30, and the two Eagle picks were Nolan Smith, who I know you think the Eagles like a lot, so that might be Peter King with pretty good information. I don't. Now, uh, quickly explain. I've done this before, but it bears repeating between now and Thursday. My issue with Nolan Smith is I think he's repetitious. I think he's a lot like Hassan Reddick. I think they're two very similar players. And if you're bookending those two guys, uh, the Eagles, for me, have if they've only done one thing this offseason that hasn't gone well, it's that I don't know that they're as good a tackling team as they were last year. And now you're bringing in another smallish, not great against the run, but a great speed rushing outside pass guy. I think he's a very good player. I think he merits being taken in the top ten. I just don't think he's an Eagle fit, but that's exactly what Peter King has him taking at number 10. And at number 30, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. So those of you who want B. John Robinson, the Eagles are getting the guy that most people have ranked as the second best running back in the draft. I have him third behind uh, Charbonnet from UCLA, but that's my rankings. If the Eagles come away with Nolan Smith and Jameer Gibbs, what do you think, Eagle Nation? Feel free to jump on the stream and tell us. Because one thing I love about our stream of John, oh, they're opinionated. They've got fact. They got figure. They they've done their draft homework. They know who the best players for the Eagles would be. Peter King's a pretty good source, and those are the two guys he thinks they're taking. You like Peter's picks? Yeah or nay?
3: Uh yeah. I, well, I I think Nolan Smith is really in the conversation at at number ten. Uh, especially if things shake out the way Peter thinks and Jalen Carter's gone, um, which, you know, I think so as well, that he won't make it till 10. Um, yeah, he's he's one of the players they would consider there. Um, and I'm with you, you know, I've talked about it all last year. They, they just don't care. I mean, to them, it's about um, they don't see it as redundancy because they want to come at you in waves, Um with the pass rush. So it's about having four edge rushers. Remember Josh Wett's in the conversation as well. Um Brandon Graham is still here. They want they want pass rushers and, and they want when they want pass rushers, and this speaks to Hassan Reddick and where they hit the nail on the head. He's not only a good pass rusher, he wins quickly. They want guys who win quickly because the uh the the league is trending towards quarterbacks getting the football out really quick. They just get it out, you know, might be a bubble screen, might be balls coming out. And so their thought process is, you know, not only have to win, you have to win quickly. And that kind of defines Nolan Smith. They just don't care about the running game. I mean, I, I, I don't know what this. That's Jordan Davis's job, all right? Jordan Davis. And, and Jordan Davis got the weight of the world yeah, on his frigging shoulders.
4: He's going to have to guy. stop every running play, yeah. every game for the Philadelphia Eagles this upcoming year. And, Talk and, about being unfair to a guy. Yeah. yeah they're, they're putting it all on his plate.
3: Yeah. And, you know, he's got to tie up blockers and, and make sure people stay off N'Kobe Dean and – Hopefully
4: our yeah, team's going to quadruple team block them this year to leave enough guys open for the Eagles to make Yeah, I
3: I'm wondering, but nobody's, you know, I shouldn't say, you know, at times they get hurt in the running game. I mean, you saw it in the Super Bowl, but they just don't seem to care. Um so while I acknowledge your your thought there and I kind of agree with it, they just don't care. I mean, that's the only conclusion I can come to. Um, because I talk about off ball linebacker all the time. I mean, I just wrote about that the other day. If there's one position, if there's one blind spot to this organization, it's all ball linebacker. They literally, I mean, people talk about running back all the time, they care more about running back than off ball linebacker. I mean, they don't care. Guys play well, you know. The guys that do play well, T.J. Edwards, Alex Singleton, they're like, eh, "All right, go, go." See
4: you. See
2: you later. Um, bye.
3: Kaiser White plays competently. See you. Um, and and you know, the L.J. Boards of the world, the Eric Wilsons of the world, the Corey Nelsons of the world, the Paul Paul Warlow's of the world, they seem to forget that, and they're like, "Well, anybody can do it." Right, plug somebody You know. I, I think it's a blind spot. I really do. I think it's a blind spot for the organization. They generally do things, they generally make good decisions. I always say I think they have a blind spot at all linebacker. Now, hopefully N'Kobe Dean, you know, fell into their lap. Hopefully he turns into a star player. But I said, even if that's the case, best case scenario, I said it last week on the show. And and because I know you're a big N'Cobe Dean fan, and anybody else is, enjoy it. Because if he plays well, he's walking in three years. The only, I mean, the only... We got, we the got only three guarantee, years,
4: though. We got three yeah. years of the Kobe before he walks out the door. The
3: only guarantee I can give you, if he plays well, it's more likely he's walking. Because that means somebody be willing to give him something. Yeah. yeah so
4: get enjoy
3: it while you have it. Because they just don't care. Um,
4: and quickie off the top of my head, and chairman me for not knowing this, I know you will. Yeah. Um, Who's the Eagles linebacker coach? I uh, know DJ the Eagles Elliott. weren't happy when JG uh, snatched Nick Rallis and took him out to Arizona with him. Who's uh, – because they, they, they as you correctly point out, they don't care about off-ball linebackers. Who's going to be the I-don't-care coach? Who's got that job that, yeah, go ahead, Coach, do what you got to do. We Another former
3: Elliott. Temple guy, DJ Elliott. Oh, uh, that's was, right. Uh, that's right. Defensive coordinator for Temple last year. Um, you know, long time college coach was with uh, Davion Taylor in Colorado. Um, so maybe Davion gets another look because he's got a history with DJ Elliot, but yeah, he's the, he's the linebacker. He's the new linebackers coach. And, you know, he's going to have to work miracles. I mean, and and, and this is not a good off ball linebacker draft to begin with. So, you know, there's, the kid from Iowa, Jack Campbell, he's not their type of linebacker. He's a big, two hundred forty-five pound, sort of old school linebacker. Speak of size, I mean, the Kobe Dean and 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 uh, Nick uh, Morrow. Nick Morrow. I mean, they're both under two hundred twenty pounds. Um, when you talk about stopping the run again, uh, you know the one guy, Jody. Now, this by no means is uh, a a complete list, but I got like 40, I think 42 or 43 players that the Eagles visited with, either the top 30 visits or or, uh, virtual meetings, things like that. One was an all-ball linebacker. One out of 42. One. (laughs)
5: One.
3: And, And it was the kid from Cincinnati, I'm looking it up, Ivan Pace Jr. Um, and he's 5'10". Uh, you know, I, now he's got a little bit more weight. He's They list him at 230, 231. I, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I, 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 I think it's a blind spot.
4: I really no, do. And, and it's a changed blind spot because they have a new defensive coordinator. I need to know. Over the past 24 hours, have you sent out a text, WTF, and sent it to the former Eagle defensive coordinator? Did did, <laughs> did you specifically text Jonathan Gannon, who called you and all your brethren, the Philadelphia Eagle Beat Media, who week in and week out were calling for his firing Did you send off the WTF text? uh, Uh, I did
3: not. I, you know, I wasn't as upset about it as evidently some other people were. I, I, because I think I was, I was texting uh, people uh, with the Eagles about it. Um, You know, I think Jonathan was complaining, obviously your old buddy from WIP and uh, the, the, some of the fan reaction to some of the media reaction, uh, you know, and well, what what I will say about this with Jonathan Gannon, hey, he probably was not cut out for Philadelphia. I mean, you know, what it told me was, despite the fact that he said he didn't hear it, he heard it. Um, oh, that's you know.
4: that's so readily apparent now. Yeah, money.
3: Yeah, and you can't you can't let that stuff bother you. I mean, I always talk about Howie and the tinted windows. I mean, these people are vicious. You should see my hate mail, Jody. I mean, if you're going to take these uh, people seriously, and I'm not saying all fans, I'm saying people that act in that manner.
4: A percentage, sure.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, you're not cut out for it. But now that he's a head coach, you got to tighten that stuff up because people are going to parse your language. And that's what, you know, people did here. And, and some of the guys were upset about it and, you know, We certainly never called him to be fired. And I was texting with one of the Eagles PR people and he said, no, he he liked you guys. And he was speaking about the the B crew. And again, I think he was complaining, let's be honest, Angelo and people like that who did. But you know, when you start talking about um Nine and zero, and you're eight and one, and and plus thirty in sacks, and you led the NFL in sacks, but you're a plus fifteen at the end of the season. Nobody's plus thirty. All these wild and and people calling for your job at press conferences, which are public record. You know, we, we don't call for people's jobs at at press conferences. Um, it, it's never happened in the past. It's never going to happen in the future. You can't do that as a head coach. You can't.
4: And so I'll, he's got I'll to be honest, that stuff up. I'll be honest, I don't know the answer to this. If you do, please share. Um, I, I just saw the clip of him bad-mouthing the Philadelphia media. I didn't see the lead-up to that in the press conference. I didn't see the after-effect. Was it something that just set him off that made him nuts?
3: That made uh, him go Thomas, out there on a limb no, that he, he had no right being on? No. He, he, he was asked about how difficult it was to deal with the media in Philadelphia.
4: That was a very leading question.
3: Um, I wouldn't say leading. He was saying, you know, I think the question, the original question was how comfortable you are with the media. And 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 then it became how difficult was Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is difficult, by the way. It's way more difficult than uh, Phoenix. It's way more difficult than the average NFL city. It's way more, even New York because New York is sort of split between the Jets and the Giants. And the Eagles say this all the time, and they're true. They have the largest media contingency in the NFL. Um, and it shouldn't be. It should be New York or Chicago, but it isn't. It's it's Philadelphia. And it is difficult, but, man, for the most part, we're fair. So, yeah, I take exception to that. But I, I also know he was completing it with, Talk radio and things like that. Yeah, and but while I, right.
4: you, you already started down this road, John. I'm going to push you further. He's now an NFL head coach. You can't conflate like that. You I can't agree. make that mistake. He's I just agree. getting his feet wet in the pool, and he's already stepped in it. Uh, no, we, you got to be
3: better than that, John. you be running the national football team. You can't do it. You can't do it. You, you, I'm a hundred percent with you. You can't do it, and he did it, and. But guess what? If he did it here, he'd really oh be getting killed. He'd get crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, and clearly, you know, he's probably better. Well, he's better off. He's a head coach in the NFL, but I mean, it, it's a difficult market. And was it fair? No, I was fair to him before this. I'll be fair to him after this. He, you know, he was here for two years. He had two top 10 defenses, one with, lesser talent one with significant talent um if you want to go back to the glory days of jim johnson i think he had two top 10 defenses so i mean is it fair the criticism he received probably not um but you got to be better than that you're a head coach in the nfl
4: yes he does i i know you got to run you're heading over to uh, take part in the jalen hurts press conference Uh, you see, you see if he comes in with presents for all you guys. If uh, they got extras, great. He's going to Oprah's.
3: You get a, you get a car.
4: You un, get a, underneath the Alexa. seat, make sure yeah. you check underneath your seat when you sit down today. Yeah. And if you got an extra T-shirt or whatever left over, make sure you bring one back for your buddy Jody Mack. All right. Yeah,
3: I'll ask for the loan off the record. Off the record.
4: John McMuller. Domo, it's
3: good seeing you, buddy. I see you in the green room. I gotta run though. He's he's ready to go.
4: Domo is gonna keep me company for the final 40 minutes of Birch 365 here today. Johnny Mack and I will be back tomorrow. Safe travels over there to Nova Care Complex. But
3: all right, thanks, Jody. Coming back,
4: Paul Domwich, 33rd team, and right here on Jaguarsports.com. outstanding NFL writer for yeah, a long period of time. Like me, Domo's old. But us all guys know what we're talking about. We'll prove it to you next year on Birch365.
6: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
7: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all
6: right. Call the firm and find out why they say, We got this. Call 215 458 2222.
5: of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
8: go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
4: Appreciate you streaming on in here on Bird's 365. Make it into the Nobacare Complex safe, Johnny Mac. Uh Johnny Mac exits stage left. Jalen Hurts is gonna speak in about an hour and five, ten minutes, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, I'm lucky enough to uh have joined me here on Bird's 365. When people say PD in football, some people think it means pass defense. No, no, I say it means Paul Domwich from the 33rd team and with us here at Jacob jumping in with me for the final half hour. Uh, PD, I know you've been doing this a long time as have I. Um, NFL draft is something that's fun. It can be all consuming. It's something that you can't wait for it to arrive. And now we're only three days away. All the years you've been doing it, what is the biggest surprise the Eagles ever gave you? You thought you had a grasp on it. You knew what they were going to do. Somebody gave you inside information. And then it just went out the window come draft night. Did you ever have a year like that?
2: Oh, yeah, plenty of them, especially with the Eagles. I mean, uh, you know, you go back, I'm dating myself here, uh, Jody, but 1985 when they took Kevin Allen. You remember Kevin Allen? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they passed on Jerry Rice, among others. <laughs> uh, Kevin Allen, two years later, ends up in prison for rape. Uh, uh, that, that, that draft didn't work out so well. Um, you know, I mean, th- for years. I, I, been... maybe,
4: maybe you didn't understand my question. Maybe I poorly asked my question. I'm not asking you who was the worst friggin' pick the Eagles made during the time that Fall Down, which was covering the Eagles. I'm going the guy that they kept under wraps, that that you thought you had a grasp on who they were looking at, brought in for a visit, the positional need they had, and it just came out of left field. Good, bad, or indifferent, the results played thereafter, but the one that they did the best job at just keeping under wraps, and you had no freaking When the card came up, when Roger Goodell, whatever, uh, whatever commissioner called out the name, you go, wait a minute, it's the Eagles we're talking about here. They actually picked this guy? Which is the biggest surprise you ever had?
2: Well, again, I'm going to date myself. 1986, Keith Byers. Uh, oh, night before, very good. The night before, Buddy Ryan called him a medical reject. Uh, he was coming out. He missed m- most of that season at Ohio State with a uh, with a foot injury. Uh, so after after uh, Buddy trashed him on uh, in a interview the night before, everybody mm-hmm. assumed at number ten that the they would take anybody in america but keith byers and uh, who do they take at 10 keith byers
4: all right then that sets us p- up perfectly i didn't even remember byers was number 10. yes he was the 10th pick in the draft and the, the Philadelphia running eagles is- this year have the 10th pick in the draft and there is a significant percentage of eagle peoples yours truly included who believe the eagles won't take a running back at ten. are they ready to do it again damo out of nowhere B. John Robinson, Eagles pick come Thursday night.
2: Not seeing it, Jody. I'm yeah, with me you. I,
4: <laughs> I can only hope for it because it'd be fun. But yeah, I'm not seeing yeah. it either.
2: Byers was the last running back they've taken in the first round of the draft. That's what uh, 27 years ago, yeah. uh, or no, 37 years ago. So I, I just, you know, I, you know, I talked to Mike Mayock for a story earlier uh, last week. How's and, Mike doing? Uh, he, he's doing well. Uh, he was headed down o- Ocean City to spend some uh, time down the shore, which nice. was nice. Uh, but, I mean, his, his attitude was, well, yeah, they might take him if, if you know, if a lot of things happen that they're not expecting to happen leading up to 10. And, and that could be the case because they don't control what's going to happen in front of them. trades for quarterbacks, a run on edge rushers, you, you never know. And, you know, where they could get into a situation where they're sitting there at 10, the three or four people they thought were going to be there are not there. And then and but Bijan Robinson is and they say, OK, let's take him. Let's 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 pad our offense and see if we can score a few more points.
4: Yeah, and I hope that's the case, but I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, but we'll have fun with it mm-hmm. on Thursday night. All right, Damo, again, you've been covering the Eagles and covering the draft for many years, and you know how the NFL looked at, handled, administered the Wunderlich test. And the Wunderlich test has become passe and is no longer considered. But this S2 cognitive test that has become all the rage over the last week and change with the leaking of scores and the indicative uh, results that uh, Brock Purdy was the highest scored. That's why he was Mr. Irrelevant and the best rookie quarterback in the league. I think they've leaked specific information to make themselves look good. That, oh, they, you can't even think about taking a quarterback unless you've crunched the numbers. the has two cognitive tests. What do you make of this? I, I'd never even heard of it before this past week. And now all of a sudden it's the defining number that you need to uh, be able to figure out to whether you should or shouldn't draft a quarterback in the draft. What do you make of this test?
3: Well,
2: before the S2, there was another test called the uh, AI. Uh, I forget the last initial, but it's it's similar to the S2 test in that it, 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 it has to do a lot with reactions you know, you're looking at things on a, on, a, on a computer screen, you know, how quickly you react to them. Uh, it's more that uh, than it is, in, you know, the, the intelligence test, which uh, was what Wonderlick was considered and why it's gone, because, it, it, you know, a lot of people felt it was racially biased, not to mention inaccurate. Um, so these two tests, uh, the S2, I think, has kind of come about in popularity, the last two or three years, uh, you no, know, uh, it, it's again, it's it's another piece of the puzzle. I mean, you're not going to turn down information. Uh, it seems to be accurate. I mean, guys, a lot of quarterbacks you expect to be considered smart guys have scored well on it. So we'll see.
4: And I read today that it's it take you take the test on a uh, like an Xbox. That you take it on a video game format. That what happens if you just don't like video games? I don't know about you, Dom, but when I grew up. I'd actually rather go outside and play than sit inside and uh, get a joystick and run my thumb. Now that's just me, and I'm not C.J. Stroud. But what if C.J. Stroud just doesn't play video games? So he's not good at it because he doesn't have the confidence that other guys do who live to play video games. I got to tell you, I think this is one of the dumbest things I've heard about the National Football League in a very long period of time. And I just now, I'm a C.J. Stroud fan to begin with. I will now be rooting for him X-fold, how many times over, just to show that this is the dumbest thing that the NFL has done in a long time. Uh, as far <laughs> as you know, Eagles put a lot of stock in this?
2: I, You know, they have they have about 13 clients in the league. Uh, I don't know if the Eagles are one of them or not.
4: Okay. All
2: right. um, so, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it's just like the combine, just like everything else. I mean, nobody puts, you know, I mean, nobody's making a, a decision solely on a S2 score. Um, it's just another piece of the puzzle that, that the, the teams feel helps them a little bit kind of look at the big picture.
4: I need your take on this because we've been kicking around for the better part of two weeks. Uh, Peter King came out with his mock yesterday and the Eagles taking Nolan Smith at number 10. Um, I, I have an opinion about Nolan Smith for the Philadelphia Eagles, not as an overall football player. I think he's a top 10 talent, but with the Eagles, if you got Hassan Reddick on one side, Nolan Smith on the other two NASCAR package guys, are you of a belief that there's a redundancy in their skill sets and that's not good? Or are you of the belief that Jody, the only thing better than an unbelievable speed pass rusher is two unbelievable speed pass rushers. Is Nolan Smith a fit for the Eagles at number 10?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he's a, a, a guy, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with them taking him at 10. Um, I don't think you can have too many speed rushers at, uh, my my sense is, and, and I'm just going on my own gut because, you know, Howie Roseman doesn't call me every night to tell me what he's mm-hmm. thinking. Uh, but I think Lucas Van Ness, uh, the kid from Iowa who's bigger, uh, about 275 pounds, can play outside, can play inside, which is kind of what they need. Uh, you know, Milton Williams has been okay in that role as a guy that can slide in and out. But, I, you know, the, Lucas Van Ness is a step above uh, Milton Williams and with you know with losing Hargrave it kind of addresses needs on um, both you know inside and outside so I I would put him ahead of Nolan Smith but I certainly I think one of those two guys is a
4: very good possibility at 10. Uh, Paul Downwood here with on birds 365. I right. we have not had you on since the Jalen Hurts contract came down and got agreed to right uh we kicked around the timing of it and how it came down and the handle it. And is it a player friendly contract or a team friendly contract? All you have to know is it's a good contract. And if they can't get it redone three years in, it's going to become an ugly contract. But right now it's a great Eagles contract. Do they move, make moves around it? Uh, this upcoming draft, free agency next year, stragglers that come in and or get released, like uh, last year with Bradbury. Is the Eagles overall talent evaluation and roster construction, how affected is it by the contract they just gave Jalen Hurts?
2: I don't think there's any immediate repercussions, Jody. Uh, You know, as you mentioned about his cap number, it's not going to be, it's not jumping much this year probably not going to jump much next year. Uh, so, yep. you know, not till 2025. Um, and that's largely because he agreed to a five-year contract. Uh, you know, I mean, you can say that, you know, that the Eagles won this and they did from that standpoint, but I mean, he helped. I mean, he, he wants a team around him that can win. So, I mean, he's making, he's going to, he's averaging 51 million a year. I- I'm guessing, you know, he said, I'm fine with that. Uh, now let's see about making sure that I have players that I can win with, and you know this is going to gives them a little bit of flexibility over the next two years to do some things that you know ordinarily you know it, by the time this cap gets you know obscene, which is uh, you know when it goes up to like 20, seventy million in twenty twenty six, the cap will have gone up about a hundred million dollars, and they'll be able to restructure his deal and spread that money out into the future. So. Uh, you know they're looking at a situation now. Jody next year. Uh, what are they? That right now they've got five picks in the first three rounds. Probably will get at least two, maybe three more comp picks in the first three rounds. That's you know that brings it up to about eight. You know if they make a trade in this draft, say they they take that thirtieth pick and trade down and get a first next year. I mean they could be looking at nine picks in the first three rounds next year. I mean that's that's not out of the Realm of possibility, and that sets them up going forward with Jalen because that's that's cheap labor. I mean, that's <laughs> those are rookie contracts, and that's at the same time that Fletcher Cox is being put out the pasture. Brandon Graham is saying goodbye. Uh, all these older guys that you're you're saying goodbye to, same time you're you're replacing them with a lot younger players that don't cost as much
4: put out the pasture it's kind of a harsh way to say it but an accurate one and i i would say the same thing myself (laughs) is that gonna happen with kelsey because i'll be honest it's three years running that i thought that all right this is the year that jason kelsey calls it quits and he just keeps coming back and coming back and playing as the best center in the league and making me look like a fool is this going to be it for jace you think this is it last year for kelsey
2: well, it's strictly his call, Jody. Uh, you know he's earned that. I mean he's mm-hmm. he's a Hall of Fame future Hall of Famer. The the thing with 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 Jason that's different from say Fletcher Cox or even Brandon Graham. Brandon had a great year and was coming off an Achilles. So I, I actually think he's going to be even at 35 this year could be a a guy that's going to surprise people. But Fletcher hasn't played at the level Fletcher used to play at since 2018 2019. Uh, you know right now, Jason's still playing at an elite level, but I think he only wants to play one more year, but then who knows, you know, next year, you know, maybe he wants to play again. But I I think they'd say, okay, let's figure this out. Let's find a number that we can both live with. And, you know, you play as long as you want, as long as you're elite. So uh, yeah, that's kind of the way I look at Jason.
4: All right. And Oh, by the way, He might not want to do that because he's got one of the hottest podcasts on the planet. When he retires, it's going in the dumpster, Jason. I'm sorry. It's just (laughs) going to bottom out. So if you want to keep getting those big podcast numbers, you better keep playing football for the Eagles going forward. Um, One more guy along those lines, and then we'll jump back into the draft. If and when Jason Kelsey walks away. Lane Johnson guaranteed to stay at least one more year because it's going to be a pretty tough transition. Losing Jason Kelsey is going to be tough. Losing Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson at the same time would be borderline devastating. And I don't care how big a genius Coach uh, Stoutland is. You you just don't lose two Hall of Famers in the same year and go, yeah, we'll plug other guys in. Mm -hmm. Um, Is Lane's decision as to how long he's going to play affected by Kelsey's? In, In a... In
2: a way, I think. I mean, first of all, they don't both want to be eligible for the Hall of Fame in the same year.
4: <laughs> Good point. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I think I think You'll Lane wants... Poken to- like a true Hall of Fame selector, Paul Domwich from Philadelphia. I think Lane
2: wants to play at least two more years, uh, maybe three. If It depends on his health. I mean, you know, injuries are going to dictate a lot of things with both him and Jason. But I think Jason, right now, Jason takes everything a year at a time. And I, I'd be surprised if you know, if, if he plays beyond this, just because, I mean, I think he want At, at that point, he's going to say it's time to spend more time with my family and, and move on to other opportunities in the in the media world. Uh, Lane, you know, I think Lane wants to play until he drops, and uh, I don't think that's going to be for a couple of years yet.
4: I right, uh, haven't had a chance to talk with you about another move that the Eagles made last week, which was the addition of a wide receiver, alamade Zacchaeus. Um, The Eagles, uh, when I say the Eagles, I mean Harry Roseman and uh Nick Sirianni both spoke afterwards leading up to the draft, certainly asked questions about Jalen's contract, but also that they had uh, picked up another wide receiver and uh Harry Roseman went to bat for uh, Quez Watkins. We love que- Quez had reasons that his numbers dropped off. I got problems with Quez Watkins and I thought they needed an upgrade at wide receiver three. Is the former St. Joe's kid enough of a a, a wide receiver upgrade? And, yeah, they're probably going to take a wide receiver in a draft and maybe a third, fourth, fifth, sixth-round wide receiver blossoms and becomes a wide receiver three in this league. Um, Is that the only way the Eagles are an upgrade on wide receiver? Are they done in the free agent market? How do you look at the depth on the wide receiver uh, roster on Eagles right now?
2: I still think they could use a slot guy. I mean, they let Zach, you know, Zach Pascal left, uh, you know, Quez Watkins, uh, disappeared, uh, last year quite a bit. Uh, he's kind of a luxury. He's a great guy to, to send on verticals, uh, and, and get behind defenses every now and then, but he's not, you know, you want a slot guy that's, that's there for, for Jalen on, on third down, just like the tight end is, you know, a guy that he can count on, on quick slants, things like that. I mean, they have, God knows with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, they're blessed with immense talent on the outside, but I still think they need a slot guy, you know, a guy that, that that's his position. Uh, and that's why I think I think they'll pick one up in the draft. If I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it, even if it happened it, it, with that second first round pick.
4: All right. Uh, we're going to hear uh, from Jalen Hurts. Johnny's heading over there now. and We'll uh, talk about it plenty tomorrow here on Birds 365. Um, certainly his contract is going to be part of the conversation, but he's also going to be looking forward to this year. He goes to have a new offense coordinator, Brian Johnson, who the quarterback knows pretty well, like since he was a little kid when Brian Johnson was playing for his dad as a coach. Um, and that certainly the familiarity they have with each other is good, but could it be too good? And here's what I mean by that. Um, I have no idea how good an offense quarter Brian Johnson could be. He could be the greatest of all time, or he could be a red hot mess. I I, I don't know. We're going to be told it's going to be great by Jalen Hurts and the head coach that hired him and gave him that responsibility. How quickly do we start judging Brian Johnson when the season starts? Pre-season game one, regular season game one, he's got uh, some pretty big shoes to fill because I I know uh, John and I feel the same and I'm pretty sure you're with us. Shane Steichen did a damn good job uh, calling plays for this team the last year and a half after he took over those responsibilities from Nick Sirianni. How much pressure is on Brian Johnson going into this year as the OC? Uh,
2: Well, I mean, sure, there's pressure. I mean, he's getting a promotion. He's he's running one of the best offenses in the league. But you know what? Don't underestimate what Brian Johnson meant to this offense last year. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts didn't just – I mean, you know, we credit Jalen Hurts immensely for the development he's made. But a lot of that is because of, you know, with help from Brian. Uh, You know, I liked his hire when they brought him in as the QB coach. I mean, he was a guy – he was one of the hot names in college football at the time. You know, he was a quarterbacks coach at Mississippi State and helped develop Dak Prescott. He went to Florida and was the offensive coordinator there and did a good job. You know, he had an opportunity uh, for a couple of head coaching jobs in college. I think Boise State, a couple of jobs at that level, uh, mm-hmm. not quite power five. Uh, but, he, you know, he, he came to the NFL because he wanted – I mean, that's apparently, you know, where his ambitions are. Uh, I, I just – I think this kid's only a kid. He's in his, what, 40, I guess he is now, maybe. Um, I think he might only be the offensive coordinator for one year, Jody, because I think, you know, next year he's going to be on everybody's radar as a a head coaching possibility, particularly if this offense is as good as I think it's going to be
4: this year. Speaking of Eagle coaches under Nick Sirianni who become head coaches, I know he didn't name you by name, but was Jonathan Gannon referring to you when he went nuts this week and said the Philadelphia media was calling for my firing when we were nine and oh, which they never were. Um, John and I defend Gannon all the time we did from the day that he was hired and thought he did a heck of a job. And those who overly critiqued him, not the entire Philadelphia media, were off base is this portend very poorly for Gannon before he ever coaches a game in a league, he's already burning bridges from behind. I, I was kind of surprised and rather disappointed that he went down that road the other day. What the hell was Gannon thinking?
2: Yeah. I like just, I agree with you, Jody. I mean, I was disappointed in with him as well. I mean, I was like you, one of the people that, that thought he had done a good job. I mean, God I job. thought he deserved a lot of criticism. He got a lot of criticism that he didn't deserve. Uh, I don't know why he felt the need. I think he got carried away at the podium. There uh, was painting a picture that sounded good. You know, I mean, this is a tough town. I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody argues that. Uh, you know, the talk shows were killing him. Uh, but the media was. You know, nobody, nobody. He, press conferences in this town are very respectful. I mean, we don't do the stuff he was suggesting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, saying he should be fired at a press conference to his face. Uh, we wait until later and say it to his <laughs> back.
4: <laughs>
2: no, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, th- th- that's just not – that didn't happen. Uh, I don't know why he said it. Uh, I think he just got carried away in the moment talking to, a new, you know, people – to 2,500 miles away, and it sounded good and kind of helped paint the picture he was trying to paint, but it wasn't an accurate one.
4: All right. Uh, From the uh, very similar department of, uh, wait, what? Uh, Is this really going to happen? Sean Desai has stepped into Jonathan Gannon's shoes. Again, tough task. Same as replacing uh, the Eagles' play caller, Shane Steichen, for Johnson. Desai's going to have to do a good job in some people's eyes, Otherwise, he's going to be called on the carpet because Gannon put up the numbers he put up. And we don't think the Eagles defense can be possibly as good as it was last year, at least statistically. So it's a tough uh, job he's stepping into. If he starts to get critiqued and he is under fire the same way Jonathan Gannon thinks he was. um, How much does Nick Sirianni lean on Matt Patricia? To be a go-between, a difference maker, a guy who helps that. What is Matt Patricia's role going to be on this team? He's got the title of defensive assistant. He's supposedly under Sean Desai, and uh, but he's got much more experience and Super Bowl rings and everything else. Do you like the Patricia hiring? Is it gonna? Does it just give another voice to Sirianni, another pair of ears to Sirianni? How is Matt Patricia going to improve this defense?
2: Boy, uh, well, he certainly knows more about defense than he does about offense, which is clear from what we <laughs> what we saw last year in New England.
7: Exactly.
2: I, that one shocked me, Jody. Uh, just because of of his horrible relationship with Darius Slay. Uh, you know, I mean, Slay just has has talked about how, you know, Patricia disrespected him when he was in Detroit. Um, I mean, it, Slay was. I mean, I've never seen a player that was like that hurt by how a coach treated him. And there was, you know, there was no. This was not a, a, a potential for reconciliation. So I didn't think uh, Nick would would risk. You know, I don't know what it says about. I, I mean, I guess maybe they think Darius is only going to be here one year, one more year, and he's going to have to live with this. You know that that, that Patricia is. Probably has tried to make peace. I don't know how it's gone. Uh, he's an okay defensive coach. I, I don't. I think it's more. You know, it's a move that is more. It's not worth the aggravation, the potential aggravation of bringing him here. I don't know why he felt so strongly about this. To say can stand on his own two feet. You know, he comes from uh, you know a pretty good tree that includes Vic Fangio. Uh, so, but I guess he felt you know a veteran. Defensive guy with a 40-year-old first uh, – well, this isn't even his first job as a defensive coordinator. He was the Bears defensive coordinator two years ago. So uh, I, I I, don't like the move. I, I, I like the, the say move. I don't like the, uh, the Patricia move. All
4: right, completely unfair question, and I ask these all the time to our guests, uh, and it means nothing if you get it wrong. Uh, so feel free to just fire away. At the number 10 pick in the NFL draft, which, if I were a betting man, and you can bet on anything these days on these <laughs> sports wagering apps, <laughs> that the Eagles will not take the pick at 10, but say they do. At number 10, Paul Domwich predicts that the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> will add the name of what player? Uh, you yeah, know, I mean, again, we're,
2: we're just shooting darts here, Jody, because nobody knows. I'll go with Luke, Lucas Van Ness, the. Uh, the Iowa edge rusher slash defensive lineman.
4: That's not a bad uh, uh, name to take. Uh, some people yeah. have him uh, fallen down a little bit, but uh, I think the Eagles like the player. John has said that he thinks the Eagles like the player. So yeah. I think that's a pretty good choice. Uh, Eagles aside, what's going to be the biggest story draft night? It almost always is quarterbacks when you have quarterbacks near the top of the draft. And we have that this year. But you do have a Jalen Carter. You do have a B. John Robinson and the like. Uh, when the draft is over and done with Thursday, you're uh, thinking up your column you're going to next put out for the uh, day one of the draft. What's going to be the biggest story?
2: I think it'll be quarterbacks, Jody. I mean, there's five of them that could go. I mean, nobody's sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Bryce Strong's going to go number one. Uh, C.J. Stroud, probably two, I, although I don't think we know who it's going to be, two, uh, two yet because I, I think that's a potential trade spot there, uh, you know. But there are questions about, you know, Will Levis. There are questions about Anthony Richardson. You know, Herndon Hooker is coming off an injury. I mean, so I mean, all of them could be top ten picks, and some, and and yet some of them could end up being like top twenty, top twenty five, depending on what happens. You know, I think Jalen Carter will end up going in the top six. Uh, I don't think he gets past seattle or detroit despite you know the character questions uh and Bijan. i mean that's a good one i I mean he's obviously going in the first round but i think he could linger into the 20s uh just because he's a running back no matter how good you know we may feel he is he's still a running back and you know we're seeing what's happened to that position
4: all right and personal preference which do you watch more of nfl network espn the ABC, get into the personality of the players, family broadcast. Uh, which one? Yeah, I'm sure you're like me, jump around, get a bunch of different perspectives. But which one do you watch most on draft night?
2: These days, mostly ESPN, uh, you know, their main broadcast. Used to watch uh, NFL Network when Mayock was working for them. you
4: Mayock guy. Same here. I liked Mayock. Uh, without Mayock, the NFL uh, broadcast is just not as good as it used to be.
2: Yeah, exactly. So mostly ESPN, Jody.
4: Yeah, and I'm a loyal ESPN. I went from uh, Berman to uh, Trey Wingo. uh, So I've I've been an ESPN guy forever. So yeah, you and I will be watching the same. I will be thankful for you joining us here today. You know, we're going to get you back up in a couple of weeks. Uh, Appreciate you jumping in uh, today, Damo. Enjoy draft week.
2: Thanks, Jody. Take care.
4: My pleasure. Paul Downwich writes for us here. Jacob also does uh, work for the 33rd team. Check out the33rdteam.com for uh, Don Mo's latest stuff. And uh, he's got some stuff still up on our website, jacobmedia.com. All right, uh, Jody Mack coming back. You're just streaming in. What? Yeah, well, you weren't here earlier. What are you doing jumping in at the end of the show? You like hearing me say we got to put a bow on the show? We will, since I don't have Johnny Mack. Jody Mac got to do it for you next here on Birds 365
6: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker, Mike Little.
7: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm
6: and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
5: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
6: Champions on three. One, two, three.
5: Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
8: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
4: Those of you streaming in right now here on Birds 365 jumped in a little late. I'm gonna make my producer Xander uh Krause's day by telling you, like, share, and subscribe here to uh Birds365 and the entire Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh also, you know how this works, right? We're live, but then after the show is over and done with, it's posted, and you go back and check out anything you want that we did earlier in the show. That would be Ian Cummings, who is on with us from Pro Football Network. Did a great job helping us prep for the draft. He gives you great detailed analysis on the players that are going to be available at a bunch of different positions. Uh, uh, whenever we have Ian on, he does a phenomenal job for us. So I would suggest you go back and check out uh, what Ian said earlier. And one quick note on something he said um because i agree wholeheartedly with him there's a couple that he doesn't like charbonneau as much as i do uh the ucla back but that's okay i asked him specifically about quarterbacks later in the draft i tried to tie him down to the fourth round even to make it uh pretty damn specific even though the eagles don't have a fourth round pick two names he threw out of quarterback that i like both of them jake hayner I've certainly mentioned him here on Birds 365, but he's more a guy I've talked about on my national radio show show on CBSports.com. Gutsy, day three quarterback. Love to see the Eagles take him. I've been talking him up for two years now. And Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is a fit for the Eagles because he's a uh, quarterback who's not afraid to take the ball uh, down and run with it. Um, Also from UCLA. So I like UCLA guys. Why? I don't know. I'm not a Chip Kelly guy, but I did watch a lot of UCLA football this past year and actually selected them incorrectly, wagered on them this year. Maybe that's the reason why I like UCLA guys uh, for the Eagles. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a good fit if the Eagles are going to take a day three quarterback. That being said, I'd still rather have Jake Ayner because, I, like I said, I've been – uh, talking the kid up for two years. He's a nervy. He reminds me of Derek Carr, another Fresno State quarterback, and he's been a pretty damn good quarterback in the league. That's um, just the backup, but that's all it. Remember, that's all Jalen Hurts was when the Eagles drafted him, was just the backup. Now he's a quarter million dollar guy. And he is talking to the uh, assembled media a little over a half an hour from now. John McMahon is already over there. He'll be coming back with Jalen stories to tell Tomorrow. Uh, Mike Zielski, lead columnist for the Philadelphia Inquiry, is going to hop on with us tomorrow morning. So uh, we want you right back here on Birds 365. We'll do this again Tuesday, Wednesday, light up to Thursday leading up to the NFL draft. Good week to be aboard with us here on Birds 365. We'll come back in two and two.
0: You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're